In the name of God, amen. There are over 200 people here today that are presenting themselves for confirmation, reception, and reaffirmation from 33 of the congregations of the Episcopal Diocese of Washington. Yay! <laughs> How wonderful is that? And we are blessed um, to have in our midst four uh, wonderful colleagues, friends, and mentors of mine among fellow bishops, and I would like uh, my four brothers to stand, the Right Reverend Alan Bartlett, the Right Reverend Michael Creighton, the Right Reverend Jean Robinson, and the Right Reverend Bud Shand. And will you give them a good Edao welcome. If you're like me, you are surrounded in your life by people, even among your family and close friends, who are not Christian, and for whom a service like today would have little meaning. We're not better people than they are. We're not necessarily more spiritual. God doesn't love us more or treat us better than other people. We're not necessarily smarter, wiser, or more compassionate, but for whatever reasons you and I can point to, we're here in this sacred place. And some of you are choosing to stand and be counted, making a commitment uh, to follow Jesus. And we are taking the opportunity, blessed by your commitment to do so ourselves. If you're like me, from time to time you wonder about these things. Why some people feel called to a particular path of faith, while others walk another path, or seemingly no path at all. And if you're like me, you know that even for those of us who feel called to the Christian faith, there are days when that faith is strong, and others, well, not so much. And even within and among us, there's a pretty wide spectrum of faith experience. And if you're like me, from time to time, you wonder about these things. How does faith in God happen? How does a relationship with Jesus deepen or wane over time? And if we are, in fact, if we are, in fact, called by God to this path, to follow in the way of Jesus, what difference does it make? Now somebody who's a lot smarter than I about these things decided that he would try to identify how it is that people like you and me come to faith and experience the love of God. And in particular for those of us who are Christians, how we come to know and love and want to follow Jesus and the ways we go deeper on that path with him as a living presence in our lives, guiding, inspiring, and challenging us as we live. Now, the way he went about this research project is brilliant, which I'll tell you about some other time if you're interested. Today, I'm just going to tell you what he learned. And you can tell me later if you identify with what I'm about to describe. If it rings true for you, 
And if it does, then you will also come away today with some specific things that you can do, that you can do to grow in this faith, to grow in your relationship with Christ um, in concrete ways that will help you, help you, and help you help God change the world for the better. Because, and this is important, take note here, while there are some things about the journey of faith that are totally beyond our control, there's actually quite a bit that's up to us. So, let's get started with the things that we can't control. The things that seem to happen to us as gifts or signs of God coming to us, as it were, from God's side of the relationship. The first are those people who seem to show up just when we need them and say just what we need to hear in a particular moment. And those people could be anyone. It could be our parent or a teacher, a friend or a stranger. It can be a mentor or an adversary. It doesn't matter. The faith experience part of this is what happens when through the example or the presence or the words spoken by a human being, we feel the presence and the power of God. Sometimes it's because we see in that person Jesus' love exemplified. Or other times we just hear something that goes straight to the heart, charged with meaning for us. And in that moment, it's not just a human exchange any longer. Through that person, we have an encounter with a living God. Because God works that way in and through us, people to people, person to person. In the Christian faith, the God experience is, is focused and lived out through this person, Jesus. But in your life and mine, there are these people who have been or will be in the future those ones through whom he's present to us. Now for me, it's often been the person who believed in me when I lost belief in myself or who carried hope for me when I couldn't carry it on my own, um, who love me and through their love I feel something of God's love, or that really annoying person that I don't like at all, but who says just what I need to hear when I need to hear it. And I feel something of God there. And I wonder who those people have been or will be for you. And rest assured, and here's the amazing part, you are that person for another more than you realize and whether you know it or not. That's the first way, through people that come to us. The second, and this is on the God side of the relationship still, the second way we experience God is through those certain pivotal events of our lives that happen. Something happens. And it feels holy. 
And that something happening is often something wonderful. It's like, like when you fall in love or discover that you're really good at something or you're out in nature and you have an experience that just kind of takes you out of yourself. It can also be, and this is, this is astonishing, it can also be a really hard thing that happens to you. Like when your heart's been broken or you survive an accident or you've been really disappointed but somehow through that experience, God shows up and gives you the strength to get through. And the thing is about these experiences is that they're completely subjective, which is to say it isn't so much what actually happens, but how you come to interpret that experience. And that's where faith grows, and it's a mystery. But if you think back on your life, I suspect you can identify a time or two when something like that's happened to you. And your faith in God grew as a result. And if it hasn't happened to you, well, just pay attention. Because I think it will. So when I was 17, my dad and my stepmom got divorced. My dad had won a custody battle with my mom about seven years earlier. So I was living with my dad and stepmom and as such had a front row seat to the collapse of their marriage. And the way I coped with this was to stay out of the house as much as possible. And I was lucky, I was really lucky, because I had great friends, some of whom had brought me to their church, and through that church I came to know Jesus in a way that because of them I wanted to be a Christian even though I really didn't know what that meant. But as the divorce was coming to its conclusion, the last thing I wanted to do was to leave my friends, to leave my high school, to leave a boyfriend, this guy I had had a crush on for two years, who finally decided that he liked me back. And then my dad and my stepmom split up, and I was looking into some really unhealthy choices. And it occurred to me one dreadful day that I had to leave. I had to go back and live with my mom, whom I had not lived with for seven years. I did not want to do this, but I knew as sure as I knew my own name that I had to do it. And I felt in that realization, and in everything that happened afterwards, I felt Jesus was with me in this, and in fact, was telling me that it was going to be okay, that I could trust him. Up to that point, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. But I felt this power and this presence that got me through that, and I am not kidding you when I say I'm standing here today in large measure because of what happened to me then. So to review, two ways from God's side that we grow in this mystery called faith and this person we call Jesus through the people in our lives who show up when we need them and those things that happen that some people nowadays call God moments, right? They're real. And for people of faith, they make all the difference in the world. But I'm here to tell you that those two things, the people and the circumstances, are not enough to grow in faith. We actually have to show up sometimes 
and do our part. So now I'm going to describe, again, thanks to that really smart person I told you about who thought these things through, I'm going to tell you three ways that we need to do that, which, by the way, makes this a five-point sermon. Not the standard three-point sermon. So settle in. I'm confident that you're really smart people and you can hang in me with this, but if you forget one of the five, when you're at brunch later today, just talk about the five and see between all of you if you can remember them all. And if you can't, email me and I'll remind you. Okay? So now on the what we can do on our side of things. The first, we can learn stuff. We can learn. Read your Bible and read it intelligently. Find people who have dedicated their lives to understanding faith and exploring its meaning and learn from them. Read really good books about Jesus and about faith. And if you don't do that, you are depriving yourself of some really important insights that could make all the difference for you at some point in your life. And you know what? Every week, every single week, there's a priest in your life who is thinking all week about what to say when he or she gets up into the pulpit. And do you think he's doing that for his benefit or for hers? Yeah, in part, but it's also for you. And there are days when you will walk out of church and you will know that that word was for you because you showed up. Now, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me to say that they no longer believe in God they can't believe in God anymore. And I ask them to describe this God that they don't believe in anymore. And invariably I say to them, well, I don't blame you for believing in that God because I don't believe in that God either. And that person somewhere got stuck with a caricature of God that they took to be God and then rejected that God. Learn things. You know, I've, I'm reading a book right now by a rabbi named Jonathan Sachs. It's called Not in God's Name. And it's a book about religious violence in the world and how God feels about people killing other people in God's name. And this book is rocking my world right now. So don't settle for what you learn once. Keep going and learning. God is bigger than you can imagine. And so are you. Learn stuff. Number two, on the what we do side of things, spend time each day in quiet prayer. If you don't do this already, take a few minutes each day and sit down or take a walk or lie in your bed a few extra minutes before you get up and pray. I cannot stress this enough. And you can be creative about how you do this. Some people like to read in this quiet time. Other people like to write. Some practice yoga. It doesn't matter. And I know that you're all really busy people. But you can do this. And if you don't already and you start now, your faith will grow as a result. Now, you all know that I'm the bishop, right? How many minutes a day do you think I spend in quiet each day? Ten. Ten minutes. And you know what I do? I turn on my iPhone 
for a 10-minute block of time. And I just sit there. Sometimes I read, I always light a candle, just sit there. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes I doze off, right? More often than not, it's just time. Does it radically change my day every day? No. But over time, it makes all the difference in the world. And the third, you still with me? Better be. That's a captive audience here. Um, so the, the final thing, this is the final thing. Do something. Do something good for someone else. This, by the way, is called ministry. And it's not just for those of us who are called ministers. We're all here on the planet to do good. We are all called by God, in the name of Jesus, to be a blessing to other people. So just do something. And the way your faith grows by this, by the way, is when you choose to do something that actually takes you out of what they call your comfort zone, when you actually stretch beyond what's your current capacity to love or to give or to share, because that's when you really learn to pray. And what you experience, what St. Paul described as the Spirit of God working in you, doing far more than you could ask for or even imagine. When I was 26 years old, my brand new husband and I went to live in Honduras for a year. We were so idealistic, and we wanted to do something brave and good, and so we went to this home for abandoned boys in one of the poorest countries in the world. And I went there with this misguided notion that the boys of this home would be grateful grateful for the sacrifice I was making on their behalf. But you know what? They were not the least bit impressed with me. And in fact, some of the older boys whose lives had been beyond anything I could have imagined, they were not, not only were they not impressed with me, they resented me. And some seemed to hold me in contempt, at least that's how it felt at first. And in the early months of that very long year, I would come home to our tiny apartment every day in tears. And I'd walk laps around my neighborhood, reliving every harsh word that had been said to me. And one day, I asked myself and God, is it always going to be this hard? And the answer I got back was, yep. And then I heard, but I will always be with you. And I've never forgotten that moment. And when I'm in situations now that seem really hard, I remember that. I will always be with you. And it's not all about you doing stuff. It's me doing stuff with you. So you can go a long way in this life and do really hard things when you know you're not alone. And Jesus wants you to know that you're never alone. So I've told you five things, five ways that faith can grow. Two of those ways seem to come to us from God. Three of them are ways we show up and do our part. I just want to end where I began and remind you and remind myself that this life of faith is a mystery, and it's a gift, and it's a calling. And there's a lot about it that we will never fully understand. And we are not placed on this planet to judge other people. But all I can tell you is if you are called to this path, if you're called to be a Christian, be a Christian. 
Be a robust Christian. Be one that when people look at you, they see something of the love and grace of Jesus. You are here to be a blessing to the world. And remember that Jesus is with you always. Amen.